Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Guess who's really paying for Darren Bailey's campaign for governor? Who? You are. Me? You are. No. Follow along. Darren Bailey's taken over $2 million in government money. The same Darren Bailey who acts like he's against government support. And Bailey got caught taking a fortune in PPP money just weeks before giving $150,000 to his campaign. So he's running for governor courtesy of you. And Darren Bailey didn't even say thank you. Oh, I like that guy. I like that guy. That voice guy's the best. Yeah, that guy. A little, little touch of snarkiness in there. And he didn't even say thank you. No, it's more like, uh, it's it's like almost like open-ended. Like, and he didn't even say thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why does he do the little inflection? I don't know. End? I don't know. It's working, though. I'm hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Darren. Just say thanks. Just own it. Go, yeah, I took the money. Yeah, I put it toward my campaign. So what? I'm DB. I got soft hands. Oh, wait. I'm sorry, D. And don't go Ritzker digging. Ritzker has the soft And hands. don't go digging into that billionaire's <laughs> financial business. It's all safe and clean there, I'm sure. All right, you're Ben oh, no, He's got a, he did a withdrawal from the Cayman Islands. Now, just <laughs> get it straight, D. All right, you took it from the Cayman <laughs> You raise a good point. I don't know, JB, if it's a good idea to call attention to the finances. I don't know if you want to pick that fight. I don't know if you want, if that's the fight you want to pick, really. Yeah. What's what's that line you always used to give me? Is that the hill you want to die on? Remember, you used <laughs> yeah. to tell me that all the yeah, time. Yeah. Advice from millennial folks. I would take advice from DB back in the day at the radio station. You go, I don't know if that's the hill you want to die on. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, August 24th is brought to you by. SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, sometimes what kind of pot is spoken, so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, and if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, August 24th, and this is the Ben Jarowski Show. And now your host, Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarowski. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarowski here. We're calling this Bad Ad Wednesday. And here's why. Bad Ad, that's the headline of today's bright one. My Chicago Sun-Times home delivered. Sent to me every day, my front porch, and that's how I follow the news. Sometimes Tribune and New York Times. Anyway, bad ad. Uh, there's also a story in the Tribune, so I should give him a shout out as well. Uh, mayor accuses conservative pack of darkening her skin in TV ad about Chicago crime. Newsflash, this is the headline. Newsflash, Mayor Lightfoot says, I am black and I'm proud. So this is classic Chicago, uh, and um, accusation has been made by Lori Lightfoot that uh, some pack that what's the name of the pack 
<laughs> people who play by the rules back. <laughs> Is that ironic? I mean, this is a conservative Republican pack. Uh, so obviously they're MAGA and they're talking about people play by the rules. Donnie Trump hasn't played by the rules ever. People who don't play by the rules should be named the pack. Anyway, they support Darren Bailey, who is the maggiest MAGA man in the state of Illinois, as I've explained many times, state senator from downstate Illinois, who uh, wormed his way to the top of the Republican party. And as such uh, is the nominee to face off against JB Pritzker in the November election. All right. I know all you listeners know all that. Uh, anyway, uh, Dara Bailey is very, 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 very conservative. This pack that supports him is very, 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 very conservative as well. Uh, and so their main attempt is to win over swing voters uh, in the suburbs by scaring the hell out of them on issues of crime. This is an old tactic from the Republican Party. Uh, we've discussed it many times on the show. I can recall tough on crime messages being delivered. I was 13, I think. 13. Even Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. When I first became aware of tough on crime campaigns by Republicans, uh, and that was uh, Richard Nixon. Actually, I was 12 when this was going on. Richard Nixon running for uh, president in 68. Tough on crime. And he was tough on crime in 72. Always tough on crime. And then the Democrats trying to show they're tough on crime. They joined the Republicans on tough on crime initiatives. And we've had various wars against crime, wars against drugs, wars, wars, wars against American citizens, some of whom deserve to go to jail because they're bad people. OK, feel compelled to have to say that. But a lot of people just get thrown into jail <laughs> along with everyone else. Oddly enough, they there's be- no wars against wars. Yes. Wars against wars. That's what I'm all about. Wars against wars. So anyway, so uh, bad ad uh, is the headline in the Tinas Fondelis uh, article. Shout out to Tinas Fondelis. Uh, and um, the, the gentleman who uh, is behind the people who play by the rules uh, pack is a strategist by the name of Dan Proft. And if anybody follows politics in the state of Illinois, you know who Dan Proft is. Uh, he is the strategist for many GOP campaigns. He's to the right of right. I believe he has a talk show, D. I believe he's a distant cousin of me. He has a talk show. Uh, on some right-wing radio station. I don't even know the name of it. Uh, and uh, so Prof, when he's not talking in a microphone, is the strategist behind many uh, Republican campaigns. He's a big ally of uh, Rauner, as I recall. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, so uh, Lori Lightfoot has accused uh, the, uh, the people who made the ad of darkening her skin color. She's a black woman, as we all know, uh, making her skin color darker uh, than it actually is in order to scare white people. This would not, uh, ladies and gentlemen, be the first time this has been done in the history of politics in the United States of America. It's, uh, it, it, you don't even have to, this would not be the first time it's been done in the United States of America. We as a country have had longstanding issues to put it mildly on matters of race and uh, the Scaring white people is generally um, easier to do the darker the black person at question is. I think my next guest is nodding along. That's uh, 1619. Yes, that's Monroe Anderson, this being Wednesday. Monroe, you got a haircut. Looking good. (laughs) Whoa, that caught me off guard, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He has a haircut. He's looking very, he looks like he's 30 years younger with that haircut. So yeah, that would make I was getting an afro. I, I, I was this close to being an afro. Well, it's not 
kind of afro. It's uh, closer to the skin than that. All right. Anyway, um, so uh, here's what Lori Lightfoot said. Newsflash, I'm black and I'm proud. Everyone knows it. No need to use cheap tricks to darken my skin and try to scare voters with false narratives about Chicago, to which uh, Prof said, uh, it's an insane assertion and par for the course from inveterate race hustlers like Lightfoot and Pritzker. Who are always trying to misdirect attention away from the fact that she turned the city over to repeat violent predators. Oh, I can't go on anymore. Violent predators. Uh, so yes. Uh, I, you know, what's uh, interesting choice of words, insane as though there's no justification for making this accusation as though this tactic has not been done many, many, many times in history's past. He's acting like it's absurd as absurd, absurd to accuse him of darkening her skin to scare white people as it would be to, I don't know, just to take one MAGA talking point to accuse Joe Biden of having stolen the election. Now, that's absurd. Okay, that is absolutely absurd. But to make the other accusation that it's absurd or insane to accuse <laughs> Republican tech tacticians of trying to scare white people, uh, using black people to scare white people, I don't think that's scared. I think that's uh, insane. I think that's called American history. We can go on and on and talk about it. And here's my American part. folk ways. Yes. We're going to get into a larger discussion with this in the second half of the show uh, when uh, Robert Tutman joins us. Uh, you will really appreciate Robert Tutman, uh, cameraman extraordinaire uh, for CBS News back in the day. And he's got some strong opinions on pretty much everything. Let's not talk about country music with him, all right? All right. Anyway, um, uh, so here's the part uh, that I got a kick out of. Uh, uh, Prof said the video was pulled from Lightfoot City Club speech, although side-by-sides comparisons with video of the speech on YouTube appear to show the mayor's skin darker in the brief snippet used by the TV ad. Appear? <laughs> I look and look at the picture right now, Monroe. It's not appear. It is darker. It is darker. Oh, my goodness, Republicans. You are so, I don't know what the word I want to say. I don't want to swear. But you guys are playing the same old game for as long as I can remember. And I remember about uh, two weeks ago, we had on this show, a good friend of ours, Lee Allen Jones, who is so libertarian, he's falling. <laughs> he's so green, he's falling into the libertarian camp. I don't know what I'm talking about. And right. he ripped. Remember that? I don't know, he was ripping Biden and Democrats for voting for the tough on crime bills. And I'm like, why don't you rip the Republicans? They're the ones pushing the Democrats. Remember that conversation, Monroe? And this is... Exhibit A, right here. All right. Enough Way back when I was writing a column for the Sun-Times, which uh-huh. I about 2006, I was fighting with Dan Prof. that far back. Yeah. No, he's been around a while. Yeah. Uh, he's And he's made himself quite a career, and I'll just leave it at that. Quite a career uh, Dan Proft has made as being uh, Mr. Strategist for the right, and now he's just a MAGA man extraordinaire. All right, uh, Monroe, plenty to talk about uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Plenty of updates. I was out of town last week while I was away. Uh, Donald Trump was up to no good. Uh, he's got new lawyers. I'm going to do a breakdown of all the legal issues uh, next week with Jim Coogan. Uh, I'm going to bring Jim Coogan back next week, early next week, to talk about the legal issues. But he's going through lawyers left and right. The fascinating story in the New York Times in this one, Monroe. Um, you know, he's been through so many lawyers. He's got a reputation for not paying his lawyers. Do you know? You know that. Uh, and, right. um, you know, so you know, I don't know. You know, he 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 will pay them, but he will determine how much 
he thinks you're worth, depending on your results. Yeah. If 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 you if if you did great results, he might pay you fully. But since he's a hard grader when it gets to himself and what you've done for him, it's not necessarily – there's a good chance you won't get as much as you, you agreed to. Yeah. Absolutely. So why anybody does business with Donald Trump, I will never know. I just absolutely will never know. If I were to do business with Donald Trump, which I would never would, I would want my money up front in cash right now. <laughs> and then we'll talk business. Well, the other problem, the other problem, why he's having difficulty getting good lawyers is because he doesn't take their, the, his lawyers with the legal advice. Yeah. He still does what Donald wants to do. Yeah. So not only do you stand the chance of not getting paid or not getting as paid as much as you charge, but also that whatever advice you give him, he may not, is a good chance that he won't take. He won't take it. He won't listen to you. I'll just do whatever he wants. Exactly. Uh, which is me. It has great uh, political instincts in terms of stirring up MAGA, but it's probably not going to help you uh, in a lawsuit. That's for certain. All right. So uh, at the moment, uh, the, the tally of the number of pages of documents uh, that Donald Trump took and kept uh, from the white house in Mar-a-Lago uh, is 700 pages. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the story is all laid out so you can follow it. Maga may want to deny it all you want, but it's all laid out where the archivists for the government uh, were asking for uh, Donald Trump uh, to turn over the documents and he didn't turn them over. So uh, yeah, I think it's like 700 pages total uh, at the moment. Could, yeah, could be more. Three, 300 violations. Okay. So Monroe, What's going on here? Why is Donald Trump, in your humble opinion, uh, taking documents out of the White House and stashing them in Mar-a-Lago? Because it's his, not ours. That was, that was his explanation to his people. However, the, the, it, um, last week I heard the, the most interesting theory mm-hmm. was that he was taking these highly sensitive documents to protect himself. So if he's charged with, say, um, being a traitor, he can blackmail the Department of Justice and say, either you let me off, I'm going to give this to Russia. (laughs) It's very valuable information that will end up in some CIA agents and their operatives death. And so it's going to be a hard call, but I, 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 I would think that um, he wouldn't be able to blackmail. Maybe they'll just um, pick him up. Or since he's a fan of Putin's, maybe he'll accidentally fall out a window <laughs> or, or down the stairs like his, his, his first wife did. I mean, there, there, there are other means of ways these things can be handled. <laughs> so, are you saying? Now, you say you heard this. Yeah, so I want to. Uh, they, they don't know, but this is this is a worst case scenario. Well, what do you think? Do you think that's the? Do you think Donald Trump was so strategic that he said, not, "I will"? Not, yeah, right. When it comes to making money, yes, <laughs> yes, he. he 
he went through, you know, he went through that. They have videos of him going through the boxes and saying, okay, keep this, take that, etc." And the reason, the only reason that that makes any sense in the frame of, of, of Trump's mind is that he was trying to figure out the ones that were most valuable to him that he could make the most money off of. And, you know, there are, there are, are, uh, secret documents that the Chinese or the Russians would literally pay a billion dollars to have. And he has not shown, Trump has not shown any particular interest in being a patriot or um, caring about what happens to anybody but himself. And uh, so that's, so in other words, this was uh, an effort by him uh, to have something he could hold, uh, well, like you say, to blackmail the Justice Department uh, from prosecuting him. Yes. Blackmail law enforcement for going after him. Yes. Uh, he wanted to hold it all, or he maybe wanted to sell it or gain it from it financially. Uh, there's a uh, been excellent articles in the New York Times contrasting uh, Donald Trump's behavior with that of previous presidents uh, like uh, Barack Obama, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, and uh, Ronald Reagan, and how presidents treat uh, the, the documents that are actually public documents, but that they control. Uh, and nobody's done it quite like Donald Trump, although Richard Nixon tried, Monroe Anderson, uh, Richard Nixon tried, and then he uh, lost in the case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, yeah, and also, Nixon was more of a patriot, believe it or not, than Trump. When, Go when Goldwater showed up and said, it's, it's time, the gig is up, he, he said, okay, you got me, I'm done. Um, all sorts of people have told Trump the gig is up, and he's going, uh, get out, get out, Spot, get out. Yeah. You know? I don't know, uh, by the way, I know it's it, we could be quibbling with words, but I don't know if I would agree to that. I would frame it that way anyway. I don't know if Nixon was a greater patriot. See, I, I'm, I'm outraged by Trump. You know that. I'm, I worry about the future of democracy. You know that. But when I look at the crimes of presidents, just in terms of the carnage they created, yeah, I, I would say that Trump is not as bad as George W. Bush. Or Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was bombing oh, the hell out of Cambodia, yeah. Vietnam. Go ahead. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that at all. He's, Trump, more Americans are dead because of Trump than Nixon and Bush combined. And, and you're saying that because of COVID? Yes. Right, okay. And, and his indifference to it and lying about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it, well, he, he allowed it to become a political issue and he encouraged uh, the politicization of COVID in every respect. He didn't lead. He, there was no leadership on COVID. Okay. He, he, he kept lying about it, denying that it was as important as yeah. it was. Yeah. And so even if uh, the Trump nuts didn't follow him, they weren't part of this cult that followed him. Still, so many Americans would have died because we didn't take the steps where we could have curbed it. All right. 
All right. Uh, the great uh, Robert Tupman has joined us, uh, cameraman extraordinaire. And you can don't just take my word for it. Just go Google him and you'll see they call him uh, uh, one of the greatest cameramen of all time. We're going to bring him on really soon. He's got strong opinions about absolutely everything. For the first time ever in my life, I talked to Robert Tubman yesterday, Monroe, and he was giving me strong opinions about everything. Okay, <laughs> exactly. uh, So I said, well, you are welcome to the Ben Jarofsky show. So we're going to bring him on. Uh, but first, I'm going to introduce this topic, Monroe, and ask for you to respond. Um, this is from a uh, article, a very interesting essay in today's New York Times by a woman named Michelle Cottle. I don't know if you read this yet. I did not send it to you, so it's not part of the homework assignments. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he, she's talking about Trump and the games that Trump has been playing since the FBI uh, raided uh, his Mar-a-Lago mansion, whatever the hell it is. Uh, and I will read this to you and then get your uh, thoughts on what she wrote. Um, here it goes. If there's one thing a top-notch grifter knows how to do, it's exploit a crisis. So it is that Donald Trump has transformed the FBI search of his Mar-a-Lago home from a potentially debilitating scandal into a political bonanza, one that threatens to further divide a twitchy, polarized nation. His formula for this alchemy? The usual playing on existing grievances among his followers, in this case, the rights, bone-deep suspicion and resentment of federal authority. If you thought members of the MAGAverse uh, were jacked up on deep state conspiracy theories before, just wait until they spend several more weeks consuming the toxic spin sanity that Donald Trump and his enablers have been pushing out like black tar heroin. Your thoughts, Monroe Anderson. Oh, I agree with that 100%. He has been fundraising off of this. Yes. And bringing in a million dollars a day. Yeah. That's how bad he's he's been about it. And they and, and he's been caught like red-handed, you know. And in the cookie jar crumbs on his lap. Yeah. Uh and still he's he lies and says that this is they're out to get him, and if they're out to get him, then obviously they're going to come after you too. Mm. Meaning yeah. his, 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 his Trump nuts. Yeah, and they're uh, kicking in the money like crazy. I'm going to bring in Robert Tubman, as I said, uh, cameraman extraordinaire, retired cameraman extraordinaire from back in the day at CBS News, uh, and uh, a very opinionated follower of news and public events, uh, music, etc., and so forth. Let's not get into a discussion of country music uh, with Robert Tubman. Uh, first of all, Robert, thank you very much for taking time to come talk to me uh, and Monroe on our show. Appreciate it very much. Uh, and second of all, I'd love to get to start with your general thoughts on whether uh, Donald Trump is a criminal, uh, alleged criminal for having taken this uh, material out of the White House. Or do you think there is some justification for it? Go ahead, Robert Tubman. Well, you, you know, when you say, is he a criminal? Donald Trump is Donald Trump. We've had this discussion with Monroe before. Everyone I talk to says that Donald Trump is a terrible person. And Donald Trump is a thief and a criminal. And yet if they vote for him. He gets in the office and he does all of the things that people know he does. And you get upset about it. How can you get upset with a person being himself? We had this discussion about the song where the woman saved the life of a snake and she brings the snake in the house and the snake bites her. 
And she says, you bit me. I saved your life. And he said, shut up, woman. You knew I was a snake when you brought me in here. So Donald Trump is a snake. And that, you that get was him in the White House. The songs that he used during his campaign. Right. And but he, he does his snake things. He does his snake things. And you get upset with it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, by the way, just a shout out to Oscar Brown Jr., the author of that song, and uh, Al Wilson, who sang the song, and Donald Trump quoted the songs that did not give either one of them credit, or right. maybe gave Wilson credit, but he didn't no, get no credit. He credit. gave nobody credit. He gave nobody he credit. Never, credit. Because the greatest irony I thought about it was he was quoting it and attributing it to Hillary. Yeah, and he was in fact the snake. He was projecting all over. Projecting early on. So, Robert, when you say those things, uh, is there a part of you that's saying justifying what Trump has done, or uh, you know, like what is your overall uh, point that you're making? Uh, the point you- that I'm the point that I'm making is my circle of friends, our circle of friends think like we do. It's like going to church and beating up on the choir. They're already in church. The 75 million people that voted for Trump, we never talk to. They don't communicate with us. This message does not reach out to them. So it's not whether or not Trump is right or wrong. It's the people that think that he has done something right. That's who we should have a problem with, not Donald Trump. It's those people that think he hasn't done anything wrong. All right, fair enough. So let me ask you this. Uh, You've dealt with a lot of humanity uh, in your years on this planet. uh, And in your work as a cameraman, has taken you all over the world. And you've talked to people in all different uh, parts of life, okay? Camps of life, if you will. What would you say to one of those 75 million uh, to try to convince them that the man that they've uh, signed on to uh, is a grifter and a con man. I, if, if, why would if, if 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 the things that people say about Donald Trump are true, mm-hmm. why would I have to tell somebody that that's a bad thing? Rudy Giuliani goes up and he works for Trump and he does whatever he does for Trump. And in my mind, his career has been ruined. His reputation has been dishonored. He will be frowned upon in history. And he gets on TV and says, and he didn't pay me. And that comes as a surprise to anyone. (laughs) And they should feel sorry for him for that. I mean, why'd you go work for him? He never paid anybody else. Why did you think he would pay you? Yeah. I, like I said, if you're going to go work for Donald Trump, get the money up front. Monroe, do you think there's any point in talking to uh, the 75 million uh, who voted for Trump? Do you think you can convince some of them to just break free of their embrace of this man? Um, n- no, because to have a successful intervention, mm-hmm. you have to have family members and you have to get them in a, in a place where they can't have any distractions. It's a long process. And with, with 70 million or whatever the number is, you can't my do question it. Is, yeah. My question is, what did Trump do wrong? At which point? Right, as president, what did he do wrong? 
Trump is a a one man crime wave. So you you can put wrong stuff on a dartboard. Throw at tell me one crime he committed while he was in office. One crime. What? Okay. How about um, the Mueller report and his obstruction of justice? That's that's that was ten crimes right there. Why was that a crime? Enumerate them, huh? Why? Why was that a crime? Because that's because it's a law that says you can't do that. Hence, a crime. It's a crime. The qualifications for being the president of the United States of America are three things: you have to be thirty-five years old, you have to be a natural-born U.S. citizen, and you have to live somewhere for fifteen years. I think. That's all. It does not say you need to go to high school, smart, of good character, a nice person. You can be. No, but he broke actual laws, Chuck. But that's what he can say he didn't know any better. Okay. Well, that doesn't make yeah. it. That's <laughs> not the jails are filled with people well, who say a variation of that, Robert. You, 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 you know, ignorance of the law yeah. is not a defense. Wait a why, minute. Are you, why, are you, why is everybody mad at him for being an asshole? That's now, not everybody's mad at him. Just No, there's 75 million people. There's 75 million people that don't have a problem with him. And that's what I have a problem with. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at Donald Trump, and we need to be looking at why these 75 million people think that the way he acts is okay. All right. Well, let's uh, answer your own question. Why do you think they believe that? I don't know. Okay. That's the part I don't know. Because they are fearful that within the next 20 years, America is no longer going to be majority white. But that's a fact. Unless they kill all of the people of color, unless they kill all the people of color, unless these conspiracies that they talk about, that they poison everybody with a shot so all of the people of color will drop dead so the white people will survive, unless that is true, science says just by the way people screw, those numbers are going to come true. So if they're fearful of it, the question then is, what you going to do about it? You can't and, stop and, and it. They, right. And their desire is to have a civil war. You know, I'll tell you what, they're, they're doing something very concrete about that. If you assume that's what motivating them, Robert, no, they're doing something very specific and concrete. In the last election, they, they, in the last election, they moved to throw out votes from areas that were heavily against them. That was one thing they do to make to change the fact that they were becoming a minority in this country, at least politically speaking. They're proposed in the state of Wisconsin and Milwaukee, in the state of Detroit, in uh, excuse me, the state of Michigan and Detroit, in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. I'm just telling you what they did, Robert. They proposed to throw out all the black votes. If you throw out all the black votes, you are now the majority party. And it so does not matter. Very concrete. It does Go not ahead. matter. The numbers are that in the United States of America, mm. the country that white people founded and took away from the brown skin natives is in the next 25 or 30 years going to be a country that when you count the numbers, there will be more brown skinned people than white people. And that's what the fight is about. That's what Monroe just said. And if that's the fight, 
and you're going to get outnumbered in 25 years, you either accept that or fight it. And if you fight it, what is the fight going to be? Are you going to wipe out the brown skinned people like you did the Indians? What you going to do about it? Are you going to kill all the Mexicans? Are you not going to let the Chinese come in anymore? How, if you're fair, and there's a 75 million people that you said have that fear, what are these 75 million people going to do to stop that from happening? And I just That's told the you, they did a very, made a very concrete move in that direction in the last election and the post of the, after the last election to discard votes, literally discard votes. They argued that votes coming out of Philadelphia, votes coming out of Detroit, Votes coming out of Milwaukee, et cetera, and so forth, should be discarded. If you take those votes out of the equation, guess what? Donald Trump wins Wisconsin, Donald Trump wins Michigan, and Donald Trump wins Pennsylvania. And they've made moves whenever they say that there was uh, election fraud and uh, there was cheating. They're saying they're looking at areas like Milwaukee, like Detroit, like Philadelphia, very concrete, very specific, very, very right out front about what their tactics are. You ask what they're going to do. I'm telling you exactly that what is not what my question was. The number of people in the room will be 100 black people and 90 white people. And the black people and the white people will stand face to face and say, we got you outnumbered. There are more of us than you. But the white people will say, ah, we're in charge still, so we won't count your votes. Yes. So the vote is 90 to 5. We still yes. in charge. Right. Correct. But at some point, human beings, not votes, numbers of people standing in the street, humans, they're going to be more brown humans than white humans. That's what they're scared about. And the question is, how are they going to stop that? I'm not talking about votes. I'm talking about what one group of people that are fearful that more human beings will surround them and absorb them and cause their race to cease to exist. If the Chinese people come here in the numbers that they have and the Pakistanians come in here to America and a hundred million refugees cross the border, just because men and women have sex and babies are born, in 50 years, there won't be any white people in America. Well, if I were be. white, <laughs> I'd be scared to death. Wait, uh, Robert, you sound a, lot, a little like, uh, uh, what's his name? Tucker Carlson right there. You're no, uh, channeling your I'm a photojournalist that worked for CBS Network News for 50 years yeah. almost. And you cover stories all around the world and you hear different people's opinions about different things. Well, I already told you how they're going to do it. Without... Okay, let me, let me, let me put yeah, a reality ahead. check here. Yeah, go. 37% of Americans, mm -hmm. almost all who are Trump nuts, say that they understand that violence may be necessary to correct the situation. Correct. The country's on the wrong track. And, and uh, no more of them are saying lock and load now. That's Why? the tone they're using. Why? Why? Yeah, what are they fighting over? They're what? fighting over, over uh, people like Obama leading the country. 
leading. That's what I would fight. There's nothing in the United States to fight over. This is the greatest, luckiest, most prosperous country on the planet Earth. Yeah, we, use, we use more natural resources than any other f- human beings walking the planet. What are we fighting over? Well, how are we fighting each other over anything? They are fighting over white privilege. Huh. They, 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 they automatically get in the front of the line right now. And they're fighting to maintain that position instead of actually taking their turn, standing in the line like everybody else and um, take, get, t- taking their turn when they get a chance. The, the, and, and you know this, Tubman. The, back in, 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 the, in the days when our ancestors were enslaved, they would tell poor white men who had absolutely nothing that, well, you might not have anything, but you're better than a nigger. I'm sorry. And that was their, their psychology. We are educated men talking on the phone and having a discussion on how people think. The problem is we are surrounded by people that can't think and have third grade and fifth grade educations. And the future of the world is a bunch of idiots. <laughs> you have you have schools in Chicago. It, people are functionally illiterate. And these functionally illiterate people go to college and have college entry exams with multiple choice questions with the answer on the page and they can't read it. Uh, Robert, you, uh, you're like, sound like me talking about my fellow Chicagoans. Uh, I've been writing about Chicago politics and my frustration for, since 1981, you talk about being a cameraman for, uh, CBS for many years. I've been writing about Chicago politics for many years. Uh, and what you did when people don't see the world, I do my kind of, I must confess Robert Tupman, my, uh, I have a inkling to go. These people are so stupid and dumb. Why don't they understand? I'm, so, I'm, I'm watching TV and yeah. they are talking about this deal. Okay. That they made with Lollapalooza. Yeah. And the people driving the race cars. Oh, NASCAR. Yeah. Go ahead, Robert. Right. So you have, you have a deal where Lollapalooza comes in for two or three days. Yeah. And they make, Three, four hundred million dollars. They make a lot of money. Yeah. And they're having a discussion about fixing the grass in the park. Yeah. Tell you what, you come in our park, make your money, and when you get finished with this lawn, it better look like somebody cut it with a pair of scissors. I don't (laughs) care how much it costs. Just fix it like it's supposed to be fixed. Why is this a hard, hard equation? And they got Why is it? Monroe, you want to answer that question or should I answer that question? <laughs> it, it's a hard equation because they they brought in money to the city. And so this the the city is settling for the crumbs and yes. they're, they're getting away they they're getting away with the the main course. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard equation because the people that run Chicago had convinced themselves that if rich people get richer, it's good for Chicago. I have been watching this and chronicling this, Robert Tutman, since you were taking images for CBS and Walter Cronkite. 
And I've been watching it, and it ha- never ends. So NASCAR comes to Chicago. They're going to close off some of the main arteries right there, the heart of the city, just east, just, excuse me, just west of Lakeshore Drive. They're going to remove the public's access to it and charge you to go <laughs> sit and watch cars go around in a circle. And they'll tell you it's good for you, even though you can't tease your parks. You're going to lose money. You don't even like auto racing. And what, at the same time, trying what to discourage people from speeding in the city. And they what tell you, you someone's going to make money, so it's good for you. There you the go. City, the city is supposed to make money. And because the city is supposed to make money off the event, yeah. that money that the city makes is supposed to make all of the people that live into the city of Chicago yeah. have an easier burden. That's the way it's supposed to be. Well, it's not going to work that way. And Monroe, I, t- Robert's point is a good one. I'm going to get you to address this because I struggle with this. I, I go back and forth in my columns between blasting Trump and blasting the Democrats in Chicago. And I, I have a hard, I, I'm always criticizing the, the MAGA people for being just like dumb and falling for the grift uh, being prejudiced, et cetera, and so forth. But it's really hard for me to be so self-righteous about it. When I look at my fellow Chicagoans, and this is Tuppence point, it, when I look at my fellow Chicagoans and how they fall for the same old BS year after year after year and how they're manipulated by these marketing uh, campaigns by various may- mayors. So do you have a struggle with that, Monroe? Like dealing with the complicity of Chicagoans, with uh, the grifters who run our city. So uh, <laughs> go may ahead, I Monroe. answer that question, please? Oh, I was hoping to hear it from Monroe, but. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let me, I have a contrarian uh, okay. position I want to take right now. All right. That just was a revelation to me when I watched the last Bears game. The Chicago Bears? Yeah, the Chicago Bears. Game. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Right. This is interesting. I was looking right at it, and they were showing, when they go to breaks, all these pictures of downtown Chicago and the Chicago Lake. Mm-hmm. And that is incredible advertising. Although you only get 10 games, I think they actually televised. But I was going, ah, this is why um, – our mayor is willing to give them a billion dollars to stay here because it's it it keeps Chicago uh, worldwide as a world class city. It helps keep it. I mean, it's not an only thing, but that's one of the investments they make. Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, Chicago is the best big city in the United States. Everything is here. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Wait, hold on. We have, just uh, to to play devil's advocate with you, we have the number one Republican in the state of Illinois in terms of popularity. He was nominated by Republican voters. His name is Darren Bailey. He's running against J.B. Pritzker to be governor. Okay? He'll be one of... Two main party candidates on the ballot, Robert Tupman and Monroe, that you get to vote for in November. And far from saying that Chicago is the greatest city in the world, he has said Chicago is a hellhole. Nope. Not true. I'm just telling you what the man said. Well, he's and not telling the truth. 
<laughs> he's not telling the truth. I'm sorry, he's not telling the truth. I've been every city in America, most cities around the planet Earth, and you come back to Chicago and you say, wow, it's a big country town that's easy to get around with. It's got really pretty boulevards, and it was put together in a nice way because, unfortunately, it got burned down one time, and they had to put it back together the right way. They built the rest of the building. It's probably the only city in America that does not need a fire department because after the great fire, they built their buildings so they don't burn down. <laughs> if somebody's house in an apartment building in Chicago catches on fire, your dumb ass might burn up for smoking in the bed, but you're not going to burn up the man upstairs because the fire in Chicago is not going to get to you. <laughs> Well, I just know that we're going back to the 75 million. They bought into the notion because Donald Trump uh, railed against Chicago and used Chicago as a symbol for all that's wrong in America today. I'm just telling you what the MAGA has done at very successfully. Uh, They've used Chicago as a symbol. So somehow or other, Monroe, when MAGA sees those images that you see uh, at, at, at Bears games, yeah. They don't go, come to the same conclusions you come well, to. Know that, as you know, I've been fighting with Trump nuts on Facebook. And uh, that, that's, that's one of the points that they, uh, th- that they would make is what a hellhole Chicago was. Uh, and my response to them would be, you've never been to Chicago. Right. <laughs> are, are you, there's no way you would say that if you'd actually been to Chicago. Um, and you, you mentioned you mentioned being complicit and and things that bother people. Something that bothered me greatly was the spaghetti bowl extension, fixing that cut off with the Dan Ryan and the Kennedy and the Eisenhower mix. You've driven down there before. Mm-hmm. It took three times longer than they said. Yeah, and nobody's screaming about the money that we had to pay for them not coming in on the budget. Why not? Well, answer your own question. Oh, I, I know the answer. They were stealing the money and nobody said anything about it. Oh, I thought the question was, why didn't anybody complain? Right. Why didn't anybody complain about it? So answer your question. I said they were stealing the money and nobody did anything about it. Yeah. Well, why don't the average Chicago wasn't getting any of that stolen money? Yeah. So again, again, Robert Tutman here, Monroe just proved my point. (laughs) Chicago, I have a hard time fully criticizing MAGA, although I do all the time, knowing that there's the same level of ignorance in Chicago, the same level of tolerating. Lies, deceit, deception, malpractice, thievery. I've been writing about it for for 40 years, Robert. So the question is, don't do anything. Go ahead. So what you going to do about it? What you've been writing about it? What you going to do about it? I don't know. That's a great question. If I wish you were my therapist, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, well, see, when I've, I've been fighting with, again on Facebook with Trump nuts mm. and they were talking about this goes back to the Obama years they were talking about nobody's going to take their guns and uh, there will be a civil war if they try and take their guns 
And my response to him was, okay, you have your guns, we have drones. Let's get it on. Well, no, I just love it when you would fight with those. You pulled out, you retired of fighting with Trump nuts, and it was. Yeah, yeah I got tired of it. You got tired got of it. Too ridiculous. Now, nah, they're so ridiculous. It's incredible. All right. So I gave both of you a homework assignment uh before the show and thank you very much robert for uh i presume you read the article i sang you i read the article okay and uh and monroe i've already uh, talked to you at length about it but i would really love to hear your thoughts on this so um and i'll just i i open the show with a, a bit of a recitation on this is on my mind uh so a pack that's dedicated to the election or of uh, darren bailey the aforementioned republican nominee for governor uh came out with a commercial that essentially blamed all the crime in the city of chicago and Lori lightfoot uh, an absolute absurd uh, uh accusation to make in my humble opinion but we'll move on from that uh and uh in the doing so they uh, had an image of her taken from a recent speech uh in which it's clearly looks like her skin was darker than it is. Uh, and she immediately came out with an accusation that they darkened her skin uh, to scare white people. Uh, and the maker of the commercial said was aghast. How dare you? How dare you say I did anything like that? <laughs> Damn. Uh, and so uh, I've offered up my uh, early thoughts on this. Uh, so we'll go with, we'll start with you, uh, Robert Tutman. You read the article, you saw the images, uh, you, you saw the accusation, uh, your thoughts. I saw, I saw two pictures. I saw a picture on the right, picture on the left. And the picture on the left was dark. Now, if it was intentional, then her reason for saying it was intentional, spot on, exactly right. It is the technique that they used to do in movies long time ago in the Tarzan movies to make people look darker in the old photographs, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago before civil rights. That's just how you fix a picture. Now, was it intentional? Mm, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could believe it. Did they sit down and get together with the advertisers and the marketing men and say, let's do this. I do that for a living. Are you kidding me? Public relations people are professional liars. That's what they do. Yeah. Your job is to take whatever we got and spin it. That's what you do. And, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. But you, you don't have a problem with which part? Saying that uh, they she said that's what they did. Yeah. I believe they did it. Sure. Even they have an incompetent, either they have an incompetent technician that made that adjustment or because television is set for normal Caucasian skin, they put it on automatic and it read the skin and it didn't know what it was reading and it just made it dark. So either it was a bad tech on automatic what it did it on purpose. That's the only three answers you can have with it. Yeah. It's just interesting. I've never seen it happen where they made uh, it lighter. Uh, if it was a bad tech, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it could go 50, 50. Uh, if you're just saying it was a mistake, I'm going to your thought. Now, it couldn't have been a mistake. It couldn't yeah. have been a mistake because the mayor is a public person. 
And anybody that's a professional at the level of working in Chicago, which is like the number two market in the country, the people here are at the top of their game. It's like being in the Super Bowl. So the person that did it, he don't make those kind of mistakes. Yeah. Monroe, your thoughts. There was this back in the 60s, there was this black writer. His last name was Addison. I can't remember what his first name is now. It's a long time ago. But anyway, back then he says, he said that we are in an image war, black Americans with white America. And nothing has changed. We're still in that war. And part of the war is that um, black to white, many white Americans, not all, but represents evil and sloth and anything negative that you can come up with. And so um, to perpetuate that, then sometimes a a little um, adjustment to the color of the person in a photograph helps take it along. It was intentional, for sure. And it was intended to scare and prejudice white people. And I, and I, as a professional photographer, one of the things that I had to do with black reporters is to help them understand that the white photographers would stand them in front of windows on purpose. And that way, when the film got back and the automatic camera control had to balance it, it was a 10 to 1 ratio, they came out looking like tar babies. And it was done on purpose. Why do you say it was done on purpose? To scare white people. Right. If you look, if you look at the movies and you look at the movies and you go back to King Kong and you look at the face, the tight shot, that's an angry black face. Gorilla. Bite your head off. Scare you. Scare you to death through the movies. And if you look at the black lead men that are famous in the movies and you stack these pictures all up on top of each other, gorilla, everyone. Hey, big teeth, wide forehead, dark skin, gorilla. That's Hollywood. And it depends on the director or the producer at that time who they like. Yeah. Twiggy came through because the producer likes skinny women. Yeah, Twiggy. Wow, what a what a blast from the past. I, our our millennial uh, listeners, uh, Robert, have no idea what you're alluding to. <laughs> Monroe, you know I'm, I'm not about. sure Monroe knows who you're alluding to. That was before his time. Uh, but Twiggy was a, a model and named Twiggy because she was so skinny, right, Robert? She was, and, pe- and people were running around taking fat women that weighed 250 pounds, were taking pills trying to get to weigh 90 pounds so they could look like Twiggy. That's insane. Well, the other thing that what I've observed over my years mm-hmm. in the media is that white people, as, as a general rule, mm-hmm. tend to project themselves as smarter than they are, living a better life than they, lifestyle than they do, particularly out of Hollywood. For example, uh, in Superman, the one with Reeves in it, 
Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois Lane was a reporter, print reporter in, in New York, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And she had an apartment that <laughs> yeah. the, the editor of the New York Times couldn't have afforded to live in. <laughs> <laughs> and there she is, and Superman comes to the rescue, but you know, she, she has a really posh apartment, very nice. Uh, pretty Woman, if you go to Pretty Woman, uh, Julia Roberts was a street walker. Yeah. And she looked better than a lot of uh, call girl white women. Yeah. Because they wanted to project that image. She was a pretty woman. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... I'm glad uh, Lori Lightfoot called him on it. I really am. Uh, and now I'll ask you, uh, Monroe, to put on your political uh, strategist hat. Okay. Uh, will it work? Will darkening Lori Lightfoot's uh, skin uh, in order to scare white people get more votes for Darren Bailey? Uh, no. No. Because Darren Bailey's problem is that... Uh, he is anti-abortion, and if if, if it's uh, if it's a choice between voting for Darren or a darker c- current mayor of the Chicago, uh, a supporting a, a darker current mayor of Chicago, then uh, Lightfoot will win out as a general rule. I mean, of course, there'll be some white women who. Um, have the same biases as a lot of white men. It is uh, my understanding. It is my understanding mm-hmm. that Lori Lightfoot is doing a good job, considering all the things that are going on in Chicago. Am I wrong about that, or have I missed something? Well, that would could be a, a topic for at least two hours of programming, uh, Robert Tubman, and we would start with uh, defining what you mean by good job. A good job, a, a good yeah. job means coming to work every day and making sure the city does not fall apart and everything catches on fire, and the kids go to school and the people behave, and you're not having people stuck up and murdered in the middle of the city, and you do the best you can in the bad neighborhoods and try to straighten that out. And, you, you know, at, at some time, we got to stop. Let, let's stop the dumb shit. Let's just do what we know to be right. You know, I grew up at a time, you talk about opinions. I grew up at a time when we had truant officers. And between 8 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the evening, you either in school or off the street. Yeah. End of conversation. Kids need to go to school and they need to behave in the conversation. And right. it's not, not to be talked about. You just do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, uh, I want to m- move back to something that Monroe said. Uh, and uh, I've been meaning to ask Monroe this question. Uh, so yesterday you mentioned uh, the fact that you don't believe Darren Bailey's tactic will really work because the, there's a, a greater issue than uh, white people's fear of black people. Uh, and that issue is uh, abortion rights. Yes. Uh, and under, uh, and to your point, and I really want you to get your thoughts on this. Uh, yesterday, there was a victory in upstate New York that all the prognosticators did not see coming. 
Right. And a gentleman named Pat Ryan, a Democrat, was victorious in a special election against a Republican. And his campaign message that he hammered over and over and over again is that he is a supporter of a woman's right to have an abortion. Right. Asserted that as a fundamental issue. Uh, His opponent didn't touch the issue of abortion rights didn't know how to deal with it, obviously, because if he asserted a belief in a woman's right to choose, he'd lose his MAGA support. So he had to just pretend like it didn't exist or pull the stunt that uh, Republicans in Illinois do. go, Well, it's legal in Illinois, uh, overlooking the fact that right now there's will always be Republicans trying to un- make it illegal. Uh, so, Monroe, uh, your general thoughts on uh, the issue of this is like the third or fourth election including Kansas referendum where abortion uh, has remained a prominent abortion rights has been uh, a strong, let's put it that way, strong motivation motivator to get people to come vote. Do you think uh, something significant has changed uh, in this, this particular election cycle? That's different than in the past. Oh, yes, 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 for sure. Dobbs. We have to thank the right wing Supreme court justices. Mm-hmm for giving us Dobbs. Um, That bloodbath that we were expecting for midterms, you know, as you know, even I got to a point where I was was so depressed because it looked like all these horrible things were going to happen. Then the Supreme Court said, hmm, we think white women ought to be second-class citizens. And Hmm. Uh, we should have them barefoot and pregnant so that we can have more white people because uh, the birth rate is down too low. And white women who, during the years, a half a century of, uh, uh, of birth control, have progressed incredibly because they could control their lives. Whether they were going to start a family or have a family, how they were going to pace that um, having a a family, Uh, they had control over their bodies, and therefore they they could plan their lives. Now that we are back to, oh, no, you can't. We can tell you who, when you can have a baby or not have a baby then their future isn't as bright and they're as mad as hell and not going to take it anymore. Well, it looks as though uh, that is a force, you know, like I said, four elections. Kansas. I mean, you had New York, yeah. you had Kansas. Yeah. And now so, Florida. I, you talk about what Yeah, no, it's going to be, I think now I've gone from the Democrats' We definitely lose the House and maybe the Senate to um, all is all 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 that ends well is good, and it's, we're gonna have a happy ending. So you say the Dems are gonna hold the House, right? Isn't yeah, that I think right? the Dems will hold the House, even though voter suppression and gerrymandering are still at large. Oh yeah, I, this is what I was trying to say to Robert earlier. No, my question out is, there my question. open about what they tend to do. My question is this. Go ahead, Robert. My question is this. You have people that saying, we're going to do what we want to do, no matter what you think. 
it doesn't matter about gerrymandering. They're just going to do what they want to do. And this abortion issue is we think that you need to find another method of birth control than killing the fetus. There are other ways of birth control that you don't have to resort to that. And the women say, well, I want the freedom to do what I want with my body. And they say, you don't, you know, we're not going to put up with that. Not going to have it. And they are very firm about that. And that's what this whole abortion thing is all about. No. That's the easy way out. Just go have an abortion. No. Well, that is uh, essentially uh, what this uh, debate is all about. Somebody's asserting no uh, and other people are saying uh, yes. And I believe the yes votes will uh, ultimately outweigh the no votes. But so I agree with Monroe. Court, that's not what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court says this has no business up this high. Y'all need to settle this on the state level. Well, no, what the Supreme Court said is, all right, you you have your own elections and make your determination. Will the yeses outnumber uh, the noes, right. to, to use your definition? And, that's, that's uh, not and, my and, definition. And, and, that was their definition. If you read well, the brief, you will see that's what the brief says. No, but just to, to, you just got finished saying that some people are asserting no. So I just boiled down to a yes versus no. And right. uh, so that with the Supreme Court saying there is no uh, constitutional right to have an abortion, it's going to be state by state. So we're right. going to see this as a state by state issue. And one of the things it's now becoming obvious, Monroe, I think this is very obvious, is that that Roe decision uh, gave people who wanted abortion rights, uh, what, a certain amount of relaxation. And uh, they lowered their guard and they just assumed that a right that they wanted would exist forever. Right. And, right, and now they woke up and realized, oh, my goodness, it's not the case in Texas, Indiana, Ohio. Uh, and, and even here in Illinois, there will be an attempt to eradicate it. Uh, that is a right if uh, the abortion opponents prevail. So it is a uh, very potent issue. Monroe, I'm looking at Florida now. Yeah, now, Florida's considered a Republican state. Val Demings was victorious yesterday. Uh, she's going to be the uh, nominee to run against Marco Rubio. Yeah. I, uh, she's I it, and she's leading him in, 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 in the polls right now by four or five percent. Listen, I may be drinking from the Monroe Optimism Cup, <laughs> but I'm feeling Val Demings' campaign in Florida right now. Your thoughts, Monroe? Uh, somebody yesterday, I can't remember who, but somebody yesterday uh said that uh Val Demings was the candidate for the the twenties and that she is she she's a former police chief so she's tough on crime and she rides a Harley but she's socially r- responsible and on the right side and so so she's not a good good they they said she was the Pam Greer of American politics right now. <laughs> She's good looking and tough and hard to beat. Uh, all right, we'll close with Pam Greer, but I'll have to ask Robert Tubman. You've met many famous people in your life uh, going as your days as a chairman. You ever meet Pam Greer? I met Pam Greer. I've took Pam Greer's picture before. Why am I not surprised? We, uh, you know, we only had 10 photographers covering the whole world for CBS Network News. 
And so you went on all the different stories. You covered all the major events, all the big superstars. And these superstars only hit one at a time. I mean, you know, they hit one at a time. I worked on the movie uh, Hoodlums in Chicago. <laughs> and I got to work on this feature film for two days. And my job was to come in and show the director of photography how to light black people. Well, well then, un- the way, the way he lit him, the way he lit him, he looked just like that picture of Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. That's why I said it was done on purpose. He didn't know how to do it. But, so I got paid to adjust the lights so the pictures would look pretty. Well, you were a perfect guest to have uh, for this particular day with that new story breaking in the paper. But one last question, and Monroe, you got when I was talking to, to Robert yesterday for over an hour on the phone. Every topic took us down a different road. Uh, we got somehow I can't remember why he got into the subject of country music. Said it was his favorite music. And I said, "Oh, I like Johnny Cash." And he goes, "No, I didn't like Johnny Cash." So the question I had for you, Robert Tubman, <laughs> doesn't like Johnny Cash, which I don't even know what to deal with that. Uh, one of the greatest Americans of my lifetime. Uh, who, in your humble opinion, is your favorite country uh, music performer? Go ahead. My favorite? I like Carrie Underwood, really. I get a kick out of her. Out of who? Carrie yeah. Underwood. Oh, yeah. Carrie Underwood sang a song called Something in the Water. And I heard this song, There Must Be Something in the Water. And I'm like, you know, I'm listening to it, and it talks about her life and how it was screwed up and upside down. And she had met this preacher, and he'd taken her down to the river and baptized her. She didn't even know what the word was, but there must have been something in the water because it turned her life around. It gave her a new life. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like church on Sunday morning to me. And I discovered Carrie Underwood, country western music. It's my favorite music. Wow. Uh, Monroe, who's your favorite country uh, singer? I don't know. <laughs> I the, I have some a few country songs yeah. I like. You know, like the Gambler is probably my favorite country song. I don't know who does it though. I mean, I forget Kenny who Rogers. does it. I know who. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, Kenny Rogers. Okay. They got this country western song called Fire and Gasoline. Every woman I have ever known. Are you kidding me? It's just so much fun. Oh. All right. Well, I, I would say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like the. They, I, I am impressed with the lyrics to country music. They really have some great lyrics. But those twangy voices, send, <laughs> he puts my hair, the hair on the back of my neck. On it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Uh, Fire me gasoline, burn with me tonight uh, is the opening line in that song. I I uh, I, I, I wish I could uh, contribute more to this conversation, Robert, but I don't really know that much about country, uh, so I must confess ignorance. Other than I know what I've heard and I liked, and Johnny Cash is at the top of the list, so maybe we'll do a whole show uh, where I defend Johnny Cash. Boy named Sue, maybe <laughs> one of the greatest songs of the 20th century. I would yeah. argue. Yeah, back in the 
eighties, early eighties. Uh, John, John, uh, a, a reporter at the Tribune, black reporter at the Tribune named John White. He's deceased now, but this, but uh, he went to Ni- Nigeria on a, to do a story for the Tribune, and he told me that country and Western music was the most popular music in Nigeria. Wow! And I was shocked. It, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's rap now, but back then it was country. I'm surprised it's not James Brown because the impact that James Brown has had on African music is astounding. Yeah. Uh, particularly from that era, seventies, eighties. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, if you hear Fela, you could see that Fela has spent a lot of time uh, listening to James Brown and the JBs, et cetera, and so forth. All right. Enough talk for today. We've run out of time. I want to thank Monroe every Wednesday and the Ben Jarowski show, Monroe Anderson uh, and uh, Robert Tutman. Uh, thank you very much for taking time and coming and joining us on the show. And we have to bring you back for a special Just about movies. Anytime, anytime, anytime. All right. Well, we'll, well I'm going to bring you on for movies because uh, <laughs> use your expertise. We, I'm sure we can have a debate about the great movies, and I will defend Pam Greer, the greatest, oh, oh, one of the greatest movie yeah. stars of the 70s. Go ahead, Monroe. Okay, let me tell you this real quickly. Tubman did a trailer for a movie that he was trying to make back in, this was 25, 30 years ago. It, it was, he shot it um, by the uh, a, a planetarium with Chicago in the background. It was a karate movie where they were having this fight. The trailer won an award for best trailer. And they never, he never, the movie never got made. But it was so good that the trailer won an award. Is it possible to see that trailer uh, on YouTube, Robert? Uh, I'll make sure you see it. We won the Gold Camera Award, first place in the Chicago Film Festival. Gold Camera Award, first place, Chicago Film Festival. And I'm like, I'm, I, I made it. I know. I, I, whew, I, I'm over. And they asked me, how long did it take you to do this? I said, oh, I, I did this one weekend and a day. They said, come on, you, you couldn't have done this in a day. I said, yeah, we went to work about 7 o'clock in the morning, got finished about 5 o'clock and stuff like that. They said, no, no. So, well, how long did it take you to edit it? I said, oh, about, about four hours. She said, oh, come on, you, it, it, it wouldn't take, it must have taken longer than that. I said, no, we were sitting around one night about midnight. We ran over to the studio and we just put this together and had a couple beers laughing and stuff and threw it together. And that was the end of that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to have to see that. And by the way, the other time we're going to do a whole show. Uh, Monroe told me this before we went on the air and I didn't uh, raise the topic, but uh, Robert Tubman is from Baltimore uh, and uh, has watched the wire, uh, a great TV show from the, uh, about 15 years ago and knows every character in I that lived show. in that project. So real fast, who's Omar based on? Do you know if is there a person that Omar is based on? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Those are real people. Those, those are real people. And the only difference is they did not live all at the same time. Yeah. It's like a 30-year gap between the people in that movie, but they put them all in the movie at the same time. 
All right. Well, uh, the town of Baltimore is really upset right now when this show drops because Tubman said that uh, Chicago is the greatest city uh, in America. And Baltimore is saying, what about us, native son of Baltimore? (laughs) He threw us under the bus and then drove over us. Uh, Now, if you were to ask Monroe Anderson, what's the greatest city in America? He'll say Gary, Indiana, because that's where he's from. And I'll say Evanston, Illinois, because that's where I'm from. Uh, All right, very good. Monroe, Robert Tutman, thank you very much. Also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. That's, of course, Dr. D. Uh, And as Monroe uh, and Robert will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for DeMarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Mm -hmm.